Welcome to the BBSI Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where we talk about the challenges business owners face every day. We'll share the insights and tools you need to define your business strategy, better manage your teams, and mitigate any risks standing in the way of your success. I'm your host, Lauren Gelfand, Director of Marketing and Communications at BBSI. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're speaking with Jeff Jones, our Vice President of Staffing and Recruiting, about how to hire quality employees in a difficult labor market. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk to you about this topic today because I know that you have a lot of experience in the staffing and recruiting industry. So would you just give us a little bit of your background? Well, thanks, Lauren. I'm always excited to talk about finding and keeping good people. My background, I started out years ago in retail while I was in college, and then I had the opportunity to move into a recruiting position when I was in my early 20s after school and spent a number of years with Kelly Services in the staffing industry. And then I came to BBSI almost 18 years ago. And I've been dealing with recruiting and and keeping and onboarding and helping entrepreneurs and clients for the last 25 years. So I've interviewed a few people. (laughs) (laughs) A wealth of experience in this industry. I think it's fantastic. And it, it is such a timely topic right now. I just did look at a report from the Department of Labor, their December jobs report, which shows that the American economy added 223,000 jobs in December and our unemployment rate ticked down to a historic low of three and a half percent. Also, it looks like year over year, our economy added four and a half million jobs with significant gains in leisure and hospitality, healthcare, construction, and some social assistance industries. With that said, you would think that there's a rosy outlook, but in the business owners that we've talked to, we know that it's been difficult to find quality talent. And it seems that employees are holding out for the right position. So I want to ask you how you would define the current state of the labor market from your perspective. I think the characterization by our owners is far more accurate. Yeah, there were a lot of jobs added, but a lot of that is rebounding from layoffs prior to COVID. That's why hospitality is leading that sector, right? But the real issue is mismatch of skill set versus the jobs that are available. In the blue and gray collar world, which is, tends to add jobs quicker than almost any other sector historically, those two areas are suffering from almost 40 years of everybody's parents telling all their kids that they had to go to college. So what that's done is you've got people with four-year sociology degrees sitting at home that takes a bartender job because they got to start paying their student loans back. The reality is there's great jobs out there that our clients have, you know, plumbers, HVAC technicians, skilled trades, middle-level management. The mismatch is the workforce. It's not there. You know, they were told to go to college and get their degree, so that's what they did. But the reality is the jobs are in a different area. So we have to figure out a way both our clients and BBSI as an advocate for our owners, how do we repurpose those folks and match them up to what's actually available? So how do you get to those folks? How do you get that, you know, dare I say PhD student that's bartending to come out and realize, hey, there are some roles here that you could be doing that would be a great career opportunity, but you've been sold the wrong bill of goods and kind of pointed in the wrong direction. Yeah, and that's exactly what's happened. And so what you have to do It's always about people and relationships, right? And even though relationships have changed and we learned that all too good during COVID, but you still form a relationship online, for example. Those relationships build trust and that's what gets you candidates. So, you know, some of the statistics out there, for example, you know, most of the unemployed folks right now are working in some capacity. Like I said, they're bartending or whatever. How do you get to those folks? Well, you have to be systematic about it. You have to design 
what positions are you going to focus on and what industries and then you need to build a community of candidates or an inventory of people that are already working because we know that 40 percent of the workforce right now is looking to change jobs in the next six months that's the great resignation that has continued so how do we get the good ones of those folks and match them up and get them onboarded and employed I think that's an excellent point about reaching them. Many of them may or may not be content in that job that they have. My guess is that they're not content, but they're doing what they can to pay the bills because it's you know difficult right now to live and, and, and survive in the economy that's out there today. But how do you pull them out of that and say, hey, we've got great opportunities for you. You need to come and experience this instead of just waiting it out for that perfect opportunity to come around. Yeah, I mean, so it's like it's a, a information dissemination, right? You take this. This is another platform that we can get out there and tell people, both clients and potential candidates and employees, these jobs exist. You don't have to do, for lack of a better term, a white collar job that college said you needed to get into. There are plenty of jobs that will fit the bill and pay you a living wage and give you opportunity for advancement in the trades, in middle management, in even fields like retail. Why not expand that, you know? distribution centers in all over the place. But but we have this mismatch or this conception that the only way you're going to make a living is to have a white collar job. Right. And I think that makes it difficult for folks out there because a lot of those jobs can be limited, can have high turnover. You know, when you get into one of the blue or gray collar jobs, for the most part, there's a lot of on the job training. There's core skills that you learn. And a lot of those folks do stay for a longer tenure, correct? Oh, yeah. The average tenure, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me uh, for the most recent surveys by the Labor Department, but the average tenure of a blue collar, gray collar person that makes it past their first year is three to five years. The average tenure in a white collar job is one to two years. Those numbers were the real ones about a year ago. I don't have the most recent. I wish I did, but I don't think they're out yet. But the typical person between college graduate age, say 22, 23 to 35, that's you know when they're really trying to get their feet to the grounds and establish what they're passionate about. And Another problem we've had that's led to this is also in our high schools. You know, BBSI is, you know, and I'll put it out there to anybody listening. I mean, we're ready to partner with high schools to try to build candidates. You know, our high schools used to have woodshop, home ec, music classes, all those electives you took. You probably are old enough to remember it too, Lauren. Oh, yeah. They're all gone now in most high schools. They don't have those classes anymore. So what choice do young people have but to go to college? They don't even know what they might be interested in outside of college. Well, they don't have the experience to see what those trades are. Yeah. I learned real quickly when I took the power mechanics class that I definitely needed to go to college and go white collar because I, I, <laughs> the lawnmower engine that I rebuilt did not run. <laughs> you know, it's interesting too to see what's out there. And I think not only is it a limit of seeing what opportunities are out there and and getting a wider variety of those opportunities, but also understanding what the employees are looking for. We know that we're experiencing a generational shift right now in what those potential employees are looking for in their employer, in their job. And a lot of them are willing to wait it out to find out. I mean, a lot of that 20 to 30 year old, they're still living at home, right? Saving money because they can't afford yet to live on their own and they don't know exactly what's out there. So I mean, for, for our regular listeners, we've discussed several different perspectives on how to attract and retain talent on this podcast regarding everything from building a great benefit program 
to making sure employees are onboarded properly for success, you know, to even building a compelling mission statement that attracts those employees to specific companies. With the internet right now, you can find out anything about a company right at the tip of your fingertips, right? You can just log on, you can look at Glassdoor, you can look at Indeed, and you can see what people think about those companies. And so I feel like it's more important than ever for the business owners that are listening to build those compelling characteristics for what their specific employees would want. So from your perspective, Jeff, what what do you see that those job seekers are looking for, the ones that are interested and driving towards those, you know, blue and gray collar jobs? Well, today today's job seeker and today's employee, for lack of a better way to put it, and this trend has been going on for quite a while and it probably got sped up with COVID, but they're not bad workers. You know, we have this, these young kids today, you know, we always hear that. But it's not that. They're just more impatient than they've been previously, right? They watch their grandparents, their great-grandparents, maybe even their parents work a job for 30 years only to get laid off and not have a pension or whatever, right? So they're going to be more impatient. That's just going to happen with that. They want, I want advancement. I want new opportunities. So, you know, I would say that clearly onboarding, when you onboard a new employee, mapping out what the possibilities are is very important. And then make sure you update because that's very important to them. Another very important thing is who do they work with? Their coworkers. That's consistently rated among the top one or two reasons why somebody stays. And, and that specifically means how are they managed? Nobody nowadays wants to be micromanaged. The old school, you're, you're gonna do it because I told you to do it. Good luck with that. You can keep managing that way and go out of business because you won't be able to find any employees. Yeah. Today's employees want to know why they're doing something. And then they can get by just as passionate as anybody else did. And the other thing, of course, is money. If you want talent, it's going to cost you money. If you're still thinking you can pay minimum wage, that type thing, oh, I can't afford it. My profit margins are different. I would encourage you to work with your BBSI team, if you have one, to figure out how you might be able to change how you do your product even to make to afford higher talent. Because believe me, if you can leverage a great person for every dollar you spend on a great person, if they can bring you $5 back, that's worth it. Well, and I know that the cost of turnover is tremendous, right? Keeping an employee, paying them a little bit more, giving them more in their benefits, giving them more opportunity for advancement saves the company money in the long run versus that employee leaving to go somewhere else because they're dissatisfied and having to start the whole process over again. Oh, yeah, that is totally true. So the average employee in the blue and gray color space takes a minimum of six months before they even really understand what they're supposed to do in the job fully probably a year before they really impact your bottom line, even a talented person. So if they turn over in that first year, you've just wasted all the dollars. Absolutely. So that brings me to another point of making sure, all right, you've built a quality, attractive role for somebody to come in to work. How do you ensure that you're getting good quality people? What are the checks that you need to go through to make sure that you're going to invest in somebody, you're going to want to keep them around? Are they the right person? Well, your biggest thing is to vary the way you screen or interview somebody, right? So I would say contracting with a company like BBSI or another company that specializes in recruiting is very important because they're going to do a bunch of screening before the candidate even gets to you, right? Then from there, when you are talking to a candidate, an interview is not the only way to hire someone. You need to, if there's an appropriate non-discriminatory test you can give them, like the Wonderlick example, which has been validated around for years, that tests mechanical aptitude, maybe you do that. You have hiring gates. You know, if you're allowed in your jurisdiction, it makes sense for your business, maybe you do a background and a drug screen before you bring them on. You have other people on the team talk to them. Have two or three of your best employees or somebody that's going to be working with them, have them interview them. 
Because remember that you have to look at it just like you want to pick the best candidate and be as sure as you can be when you make that decision. The candidate's interviewing you as well. I think that's a key point to remember. Yeah, it's important for them to see all, all aspects or as many as you can of the company so they know exactly what they're getting into and be blatantly honest with your job description. This is what you're going to do and make sure it's right. And, you know, BBSI has HR folks that can help you with those descriptions. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because you do see job postings all the time. And the postings, you know, you want to stand out from your competitors, right? If I'm hiring for mechanical contractors or plumbers or electricians, I've got 10 other companies in my area that are probably also looking for that same level of talent. And I know that there's a number of people that are kind of bouncing around. So you got to differentiate yourself from your competitors out there. So it sounds like the best ways to do that are create those great benefit programs, make sure you have that really comprehensive interview process with those hiring gates. You mentioned the hiring gates before, and I think that that is an excellent place to make sure that your hiring process is well-defined. And it's not just the owner of the company sitting down with somebody in a back room while they have five minutes to spare and trying to make a snap decision. That's huge. And make sure that you're consistent. If you, In today's day and age, you don't want to get sued for, for favoritism or, or discrimination or any of those things. And the only way to ensure that is to get a process that works for you and then use it on every single candidate. Be consistent. Be fair. Also, when you post and you, you if you're recruiting your own or, or one of the things we make sure we do is, is put it out to as cast your net as wide as you can. Because diversity of candidates will bring you the best candidate. If you get a bigger population, you're going to have a better candidate in the end. Lauren, you're perfect to talk to this about because a posting of a position is marketing. Absolutely. Right? You want to track the candidate. Just like the candidate's tool for marketing is their resume. Yeah, and I think the key is to get it. You want to get your message in front of that right candidate at the right time to solve the problem that they're having, which is employment. And so where do you see right now, Jeff, as some of those those best places where those job seekers are going or where those business owners should be posting those jobs? You know, creativity wins the day here. For white collar and some of the gray collar mid-level management, LinkedIn constantly, people cruising LinkedIn, looking for people. You know, LinkedIn is one of the greatest inventions for job seeking that way because it asks you when you post your profile, are you interested in hearing about job opportunities? Well, if they say yes, then they're going to show up on every search, right? So recruiters use LinkedIn constantly. Other places like ZipRecruiter, Monster, those are all valuable. But there really is no replacing the work, right? For blue and gray collar, you have to be recruiting 24-7, 365 days a year. If you're looking for entry-level blue collar folks to work, maybe you're a landscaping company. And at the grocery store, you run across somebody at the receiving dock that's got great customer service and helps you out. You like their personality. Remember that. Talk to them. No matter where you find talent, you have to be thinking about it all the time. Well, that goes back to what you said of building that stable of candidates. So maybe somebody's not ready to be hired right now, but keeping a file of those folks that you meet, that you think have promise. (laughs) You know, I had a funny experience. I had a guy come to my house to try to sell me pest control services, and he was so persistent and had the right answer to every objection I had. I actually took his name down to look for a future sales position at our company because I was so impressed with the quality of his salesmanship. And this was probably, you know, a high school kid or an early college kid walking around in a summer job. Right. A prime example is, okay, you're a small business. Let's say six months ago, you hired a salesperson and that person's doing great, okay? 
Now it's time to hire another one. Well, what'd you do with the second choice back then? Where is that person now, right? Because that second choice should have stayed in your pipeline of candidates, right? Because if it was your second choice, then they were pretty good too. Yeah, keeping that file of resume is just so ever important. No offense to anybody unemployed right now. The people you probably want are ones that are working, working for your competitors, working for other companies. And if those folks are looking to move, which the great resignation has taught us that, then how do you have everybody thinking about where the next talent's gonna come from? Good people wanna feel special and they wanna work with other good people. And if they see an owner that takes seriously in a small business that realizes the value of good employees, they will come work for you. Well, so that brings me to the topic of networking at different association events, organization events in your industry where you can meet folks that are maybe looking to make a move, right? That's a great thing. If you're part of a group like BBSI where we're trying to build that for our clients, you know, eventually over the years, we will have a closed loop system for blue and gray collar where, you know, we have one client that needs to get somebody. We're probably going to have another client happen to lay off a good person. So we should hopefully can make that match. But, but to your point, there are plenty of industry organizations. Um, you can have events. I'll give you a great, one of our recruiters last year had an event where they invited, they advertised with local organizations in their immediate community, the chamber and some other places, they were going to have an event. It was called, you know, teach your kid who moved back home after college how to find a job. <laughs> so they had all those folks that we earlier mentioned come in. Was the recruiter looking for just those folks? Well, kind of. But if the parents cared enough to be there with them to help them work on job finding skills, the parent was probably a good employee. That's what we really wanted, right? <laughs> so we talked and built those folks and got them to be in part of our network. And the ones that were interested in looking for another job, and there were several, we're still working with them. We've placed some of them. So you know, you got to be creative. And I'm, I'm sure BBSI, I know what my team is and your local business unit is happy to talk about ideas with you about how you can get creative. But yeah, in, industry organizations are big. You know, if you are an HVAC operator, think about, do you really need that person with five years experience or would you be better off going to an HVAC school and finding somebody new and creating your own employee there? I don't know what the answer is, but but maybe you do work with that HVAC school because it's still going to give you exposure to those folks. You know, and I think you bring an interesting point. So if you're in the industry and there's a, a specialty school for that industry, being a part of that industry is incredibly important. I used to work for a food distribution and processing company in the past, and they would actually go out to the culinary schools to recruit, to talk to them about the product, to talk to the chefs that were there. And they would actually bring people that thought they wanted to be a chef out of that into potentially food service distribution or sales. And I always thought it was such an interesting approach they would go do speeches, they would present at the classes and teach. And I thought, what a unique way to harness the talent early. Then you have the ability to train somebody and mold them versus finding somebody who may have been trained a different way. And I think about it, food service has done a great job with this. Use them as an example, your big food distributors like Cisco and Kraft and Shamrock. They every year have major food shows. Oh yeah. I remember when I was in college, they used to have it at the walk-up Skydome in Flagstaff. And Shamrock would have restaurants and and aspiring chefs and kids from high school all come to this show where all their different products were on display and they had samples. It was like a giant Costco on a Saturday morning, <laughs> samples of food everywhere. You'd leave there stuffed. But the point being is that's never gonna treat you bad, right? Every year they did that, they hit all these levels of people. It might've been the kid that was 12 years old that remembers getting fat on free bacon at that show that decides you know what, I remember them and now I want to go work for them. You just don't know. 
And so those things, there's no downside to that if you can afford it. You're just networking and you're building goodwill and plus you're helping. I mean, like I said, the economy, we have to take charge if we're gonna help fix the mismatch of talent and the 40 plus years of everybody should go to college. If we're gonna fix that and help our high schools and our trade schools provide those people to us, we gotta get involved. Well, I want the the high schools to bring back all those trade programs that have gone away, you know, and a lot of that goes back to the funding. But there are also external opportunities to bring those kids those those opportunities to go and present at the job fairs, at those high schools, at those colleges, to go to those trade and technical schools and recruit right out of there. In addition to finding those employees that are already working in those industries at those different networking events, I think it goes back to your point about being as creative as you can. You know, we know that there are potential employees out there, even though our owners are telling us that it's hard to hire in today's labor market. Well, it is, but it's only hard to hire because a lot of times they're trying to use what they've done historically. You know, the world now is not, oh, I have an opening, I'm gonna start looking. You cannot do that if you wanna be successful. You have to be involved to your point and you have to be constantly looking for people so that when you do have an opportunity, you have the ability to, to pull on that network of people you've been networking with and look for. And even if it's not, if the person you need is not in your network, somebody in your network probably knows somebody that's the person you need, right? And that's the whole point of trying to build this inventory of candidates or, or community of candidates. And once you take the time to do that, because truthfully, it's hard work. You gotta pound the payment. You gotta be committed to building relationships. But if you do it right, and the companies that do do it right, we've seen it time and again, whether they're using us or doing it on their own, the ones that build this group of candidates don't usually have a problem filling their open positions, even in this market. Jeff, are there industries right now where you feel like I have wide vacancies from your seeing candidates that come through to your teams? Uh, are there any industries that sort of are prevalent in either talent gaps or employees that are coming to, uh, to BBSI looking for employment in any specific industry or vertical? Yeah, I would say that that the latter one is no. I wish that was the case. Okay. <laughs> um, unfortunately, there are certain industries where truck driver, commercial truck drivers, for example, this is a huge problem across the country. Yeah, I don't have a solution for it. No one has come up with a solution for it, frankly. There are just simply, and I could go into a lot of reasons why, too few drivers for the need that exists. A lot of trucking company owners are trying all kinds of different things, but Quite frankly, they're going to need help from a couple other industries to fix that. You know, the log jam we've all felt at the ports, great. We cleaned out the ports, but now we've got warehouses full of product and we don't have enough drivers to get the product to the stores that bought it to sell it to us. So, you know, these are real problems and I don't know the answer for truck drivers. I wish I had a silver bullet for you, but what I can tell you is that if you want to go into a field where you're not going to have trouble finding a job for the next 15 years, become a truck driver. I mean, a lot of truck drivers today, they go to work in the morning and they come home at night. It's not the long haul, having to stop at some greasy spoon and have your chicken fried steak thing that we picture, right? It's not that anymore. It's a professional position. These trucks are, are high-tech trucks. They're, they're $150,000, $200,000 pieces of machinery that the owners invest in. They're gonna treat the job professionally. You know, Truckers across the country make on the low end 60,000. I know truckers that are making 150,000 plus. And they're home every night. And they have benefits, but you know, it's a hard job. I mean, there's electronic log books, there's all kinds of computerized stuff in the trucks that you have to learn. Plus you have the danger of driving on the roads with everybody and you have a responsibility to keep 
the other drivers safe as well as yourself. So it's a, it's a high stress job, but it can be a great career for someone who likes to drive. And, you know, quite frankly, most of the time you're left alone as a truck driver these days. You know, you get to do your job and drive, deliver your loads on time, follow, follow the rules and, and the standards of the company, and you can have a great career. Roll around, be your own employer, set somewhat set your own hours. I have heard some articles about a lot of the trucking companies have had to adjust the way that they've done things specifically to cater to this new generation that they're wanting to recruit, making sure that you can go home in the end of that end of the day. More short haul trips versus long haul trips, better wages, better benefits. Yeah, I mean look at look at Uber and, and Lyft. I mean, it's not commercial drivers, but there's a prime example. I mean Nobody would ever dream that all these people wanted to basically be, for lack of a better term, a taxi driver. But look at all the employees out there doing it. Right. And they set their own hours and they love it. Whenever I take one, I, I generally find people pretty pleased that they can set their own hours and drive when they want. Yeah, exactly. And they're usually friendlier than any cabbie I remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure true. The other big industry that comes to mind, and we hear a lot about this this onshoring, right, is, is bringing lots of jobs back, bringing manufacturing back to the United States so that we can make things domestically, lots of investment in that infrastructure. I have to imagine that that manufacturing sector is going to be vastly expanding with the opportunity. Oh yeah, I mean, if you look at that last bill that they passed, I think it's $550 billion to figure out how to do that. And I know the new Speaker of the House just announced yesterday that they're gonna form a select committee to study how we, how we best bring those jobs back as fast as possible. And that's all wonderful, and I hope we do it, but we better get on the tap and start making sure we have the employees to fill those jobs. Otherwise, we're just bringing jobs back. We're just gonna hurt our businesses here because they're gonna pull employees from those companies. And I think we can do it. This country's amazing when it gets its mind to it. We need to create the programs to be able to train folks if they don't. I know that a lot of the companies out there have the ability to do that on-site training. And I think that that's a, a key part of looking into any of those industries. If, you know, if you're a job seeker out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't have the skills, I think you'd be surprised to find that a lot of the companies do on-the-job training, correct? Well, yeah, you're right on. I mean, even when you come out with a college degree, no matter what job you get, you're going to have some on-the-job training that has to occur for company culture alone. In the blue-collar world, you can have the basic skill set to be a mechanic, right? But until you really get out there and deal with customers on their cars, you're not really a mechanic yet. And that takes time and that takes on-the-job training. So you're exactly right. Well, I think there's a lot of things to consider, but I just keep going back to the point that you made at the beginning, which is about being creative. If you're a business owner out there and you're struggling to find the right talent, the right people, find enough people to fill your positions, it's all about being creative and finding those opportunities to locate those employees, those key folks that can fill your positions and making sure that you're basically getting your message in front of them and enticing them with something that could be a lifelong career. Correct, and I can't stress enough, in your job description, your postings, be honest with yourself and everybody else. If the job's difficult, put in there that it's difficult, right? If it's a job, you need movers, you're a moving company and you need movers. You're gonna lift stuff, you're gonna work physically all day. There are people out there that wanna do that, believe it or not. But make sure you're blatantly obvious because what we see a lot of times is you will we'll help a client with some candidates, we'll have a, a picture of what the job is after talking to the client but then they get out on the job and there's a couple things they didn't mention. But those things are the reason employees leave. So be as honest as possible with that, with yourself and everybody else when you do those. Absolutely. So Jeff, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about BBSI strategy in helping business owners fill those positions. I know that you've done a lot of work behind building our recruiting hubs, these centers where we will have candidates 
that are skilled, trained, that we're able to match. So can you tell me a little bit about that strategy? We did a pilot last year. We realized that within our PEO business units, we did all this amazing work with our clients on how to identify your best employees and how to, how to provide the right onboarding and hiring gates and everything else. But we really needed a way to figure out how to identify candidates better. And so far, you know, I'm pleased to say that what we've been able to do is working. We're still building it. And the idea is that, you know, within any geographic region, we can talk to our branches and our branches clients and find out what jobs come up most frequently. What is the need, right? And then once we can see that need, let's say it's plumbers, then we can start working with our recruiters in that hub to build that community of, of talent that we can talk to all the time. And hopefully the difference between being a BBSI client and not being a BBSI client is when you have an opening, you can put an order through your business unit to our hub and we can have you three interviews in the next couple of days of qualified people. Now, can we be everything to every client? No, like I said, I don't have a solution for truck drivers. <laughs> That's not to say if, if our recruiter finds a qualified truck driver that we won't call every every client in the area that's a trucker and say, hey, we got one, right? But other positions we do believe we can we can be effective and we can work with the, the local trade schools, even regular colleges to build candidates that are that are solid over time in certain fields. And though that's what we're in the process of doing right now as I travel to every branch in the next two months to talk specifically to their team on the ground about their clients and look at, okay, here's the positions where we really feel we can build a community of talent and that's what we're doing. So, you know, it takes time. It's a labor of love. I've always believed that the key to everything for every business is people. And the better people you have, the better your company, the less HR problems you have, the less every problem you have, and the more successful you'll be as an owner. So I love it. I love what we're doing. I'm passionate about it. And I think that if we continue to keep that mindset as we build this out, it can only serve to help BBSI and our clients and become another reason to be a BBSI client, quite frankly, Lauren. Well, thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate your sharing your insights with us today. It's clear that you're passionate about the industry and you have a tremendous amount of experience. So I think if you're a business owner out there or even a job seeker that's listening to the episode today, hopefully you've taken some notes and you've written some things down and you have some, some direction to move forward to be successful. And I want to thank all those folks out there for listening to our episode today. If you're looking for more resources to support your business, visit our website at bbsi.com and subscribe to our monthly business owner newsletter, the BBSI Insider. We'd also love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss out on the latest insights from our BBSI business professionals.